Murphy's mom and dad's 50th wedding anniversary. So they're spending it with them. How awesome is that? 50 years of Bonnie putting up with Dave. Crazy. Then Shelby's going to be doing that for 50 years with Tom. Uh, my mom put up 51 years with my dad. And so... I uh, come from a great heritage. My grandparents have been married 69 years, 68 years. My mom, huh? 68 years. My mom and dad, 51 years. My grand, my dad's mom and dad was married 56 years. My wife and I, 22 years. And uh, if marriage was easy, everybody would be married. So I think the key is be a good dad, kick them out when they're 18. Um, I think a little bit after I was 18, my dad said, you're paying rent if you're not going to school. I paid a couple months of rent, and I found that it was nicer to live on my own, paying rent and living under my own rules, instead of paying rent and living under my dad's rules. A lot more freedom, but along with that comes a price. So kick them out at 18. But I want to touch uh, first chair dads and kind of being a God chaser. Um, what is a God chaser? Somebody who runs after God with all of their heart. And I want to touch in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. And this is what pastor has been speaking on. And I just want to hit this on the foundation tonight. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, the sharing in his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasure that are above which Christ is seated at the right hand of God. How many of you are seated? How many of you have been raised with Christ? Amen. I've asked him into my heart. He's my personal Lord and Savior. So if you have been raised with Christ, not I've been raised with Christ, but I have been raised with Christ to a new life, not the old life, not the depressed life, not the life that has lack, but the new life, the life full of peace, the life full of joy, the life that I'm seeking after. If then I have the new life, thus sharing in the resurrection of the dead. I'm a little bit of a, and I, I was reading this earlier this week, and it, this jumped out at me. And, you know, you got the Stanley Cup. And the guys who play in that, they work hard and they get beat up. And they play all year and they win the Stanley Cup. Football players play for the Super Bowl, the Lombardi Trophy. Baseball players pray for the World Series. Don't even know what trophy that is. It's just a trophy. Uh, but they work. And then you got these guys like for the 49ers. I'm a 49er fan, and I'm wearing a 49er jersey or a Seahawk jersey. I'm wearing this jersey, and I root for my team all year long. I went out, and I bought the jersey, and I'm wearing it, and I'm supporting my team. They go all the way, and they win the Super Bowl. And I can say, we won the Super Bowl. Okay, but the guys who participated in the Super Bowl actually get the ring. The, the guys who put on the jersey, the coaches, the managers, the people in the office, those are the guys who get the ring. I'm the guy that's got the T-shirt on that spent $49.95 or $130 if I wanted the, the good one. Uh, and I say, I, we, won this, we won the Super Bowl. No, you didn't. You ain't got no ring. But we take such pride in that. But I was reading this, and this jumped out at me. It says, to live the new life, thus sharing 
in the resurrection from the dead, you know, with Christ, thus sharing in the resurrection from the dead. That's the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls, the Stanley Cup of all Stanley Cups, the World Series of all World Series. And I get to share in that. I get to share in that resurrection. I didn't have to buy a jersey. I didn't have to give an offering. I didn't have to give nothing. But I get to share in it. I get to share in that. And I get the ring of life. I get the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of me. And I don't know, I just kind of got off on that a little bit. And I'm just thinking, above all, aim at and seek. The word seek means to crave or desire. Some people crave and desire Sunday because of Sunday night or Sunday night football or Sunday football or Monday night football. You crave and you desire that. But it says to crave. The word seek means to crave or desire the rich and eternal treasures that are above. That's a peaceful habitation, a secure dwelling place. That's what I get to seek. And it says for eternal. Dude, I can have that right here. I don't have to wait till I die. I mean, if you're thinking, well, when I die, I'm going to live in peace. Well, maybe we'll live in peace. But you can have that right here. You can have that peaceful habitation. You just got to make the choice. Amen. Two, it says to set your mind and keep them on the things above, the higher things, not the things of this world. To set and keep your mind on the things above. Pastor talked a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, about setting the old radio dial. You know, it kind of goes and it makes all these noises. I'm not even going to try it because he's good at it and I'm not. But it makes all these noises and you get it dialed in and it's perfect. Well, what I noticed this week was that it actually I could not turn off my alarm clock for some dumb reason. I kept turning all these stupid things and it wouldn't turn off. And I thought about punching it. But that's the old Keith and the new Keith. I think I just turned the volume down when I was trying to tune it in. But what happens is I don't even mess with the tune dial on the alarm clock. But if I don't mess with it, like once every three or four days, it starts getting out of tune and my alarm clock to the radio gets fuzzy. And in that in life, if I don't go and seek and I don't keep myself set and my mind focused on God, then I start getting off. I got to stay focused. And it, it took me to realize that with my alarm clock not shutting off. God goes, see, keep it set. So keep your mind set on the things above, the higher things, not the things of this world. I mean, Harleys are cool. Cars are neat. Keep them fixed on the higher things. My God. Amen. Number three, verse three. For as far as the world is concerned, you have died and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. For as far as the world is going to, this is the Keith Carter version. For as, is that right? Three, four, as far as the world is concerned, three, four as, yeah, for as far as the world is concerned, you're a dead man. And I'm learning this more and more going from the prison and working into another environment. As far as the world is concerned, I'm a dead man. Because they know I live for Christ. So they do everything they can to see if they can get under my skin. 
But what's cool is I reach for the higher life. I don't let those things, those earthly things bug me because he's my God. Amen. So far as the world is concerned, and once we get this in our mind and we understand that the world thinks that we're dead, I'm not here to please them. I'm here to please my father. You know, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be a jerk, but I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please my God. And if that means you're upset at me, sorry, but my God's a little bit more important than the people of this world. Because as far as they're concerned, I'm a dead man. And you, your real life, because my real life is in Christ. My real life isn't what I do. My real life isn't what I drive. My real life isn't who I'm married to. My real life is my Father. The new real life is hidden in Christ God. It says it's hidden. The reason it's hidden is because we don't seek after it. I've got to seek after my real life, what God has for me. Amen? And four, it says, when Christ, who is your, who is our life, appears. When Christ, who is our life? Is he your life? Or is the stuff around you your life? Good question. When Christ, who is my life, appears, then you will also appear with him in splendor of his glory. Amen. That's my God. Well, there's three or four guys I want to talk about tonight that I think are God chasers. The first guy I want to talk about is David. Uh, David is a guy that had a heart after God. Made some mistakes, but he had a heart after God. In Acts 13.22, I just want to hit that scripture. It says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Another translation says, he will do every, he will do all of my will. He will do all of my will. He'll do everything I want him to do. Well, how, how did God know that? Because God knew that he was a man after his own heart. This is a God, this is a, a God chaser. This is a first chair dad. Somebody chasing God with all of his heart. And pastor's been talking about the works of God. The ways of God and the will of God. Amen. He's been talking about those things and it kind of cleared it up with me a little bit. Because the works of God are so big, they're huge, that we don't even, we couldn't mess up the works of God. Because the works of God is absolutely everything. Right? The ways of God are found in His Word. Because that's the ways of God. They're found in His Word. And the will of God can be so messed up in the aspect of, you know, Father, is it your will that I buy this boat? Father, is it your will that I buy this truck? Or is it your will that, I mean, all the way down to, should I, Father, should I, should I buy this lavender? Purple lavender? Or white lavender? I mean, some, some people can get Super spiritual. Is it your will for my life? But when it all comes down to it, it's the way that we should focus on. If you focus on the way, the will will come. It's kind of like the, uh, that baseball thing. If you build it, they will come. So if you focus on the way, the will will come. Prisons, if you build them, they will come. <laughs> they fill them up. 
So our goal isn't to focus on the will. It's to focus on the way. Well, how do you know the ways? The word says, my word is a lamp unto my, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The word is a lamp unto my feet. I know where I'm going. It says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, go to the left or go to the right. That's the will of God. To go to the left or the right because you hear the word that's in your head, that's in your mind. And it says the sheep will know his shepherd's voice. You know, if you're listening to God and you're paying attention to God and you're seeking after God, God's ways will always line up with God's word. Amen. God, God's not going to tell you to do something crazy that doesn't line up with his word. So focus on the way. You know, the ways of God will be found in the word of God. David was a God chaser, but he spent some of his life like us in the chair of compromise. You know, I think if I kind of wonder if when when David didn't go to war and he was on his balcony I wonder if he didn't go to war because he was searching after the will of God. God, is it your will that we conquer this city and take all of their gold? Or God, I mean, I I wonder if it's your will if we do this. Or I wonder if it's your will that we do that. When David should have been in battle fighting. You know, we as men, when we're sitting around, it's not good when we sit around. Because when we sit around, we usually get in trouble. Right? When I was on vacation for something, I was always out buying something stupid. Um, and I wasn't searching for his will. I was searching for a car. That's why I sell them now, because I love cars. But David, well, I, I just kind of wonder if he was searching for God's will, and he was out there on the balcony, and he's just pondering, and instead of looking for the higher things, he looked down and he saw somebody bathing in a tub on her balcony. He looked down, so he took his eyes off God, off the way, and now he's preoccupied. So in that, he's now got himself in a mess. So he's not focused on the way anymore. He's focused on what he wants. So all the things happen. He commits adultery. He commits murder. And other things happen. And this is for the dads tonight. David was a God chaser. But he lived in compromise. Parts of it. But you know what saved him? Was he had a heart after God. When he messed up, he, number one, he ran to God and said, God, I'm sorry. I apologize. He burned offerings. He fasted. He prayed. God didn't want the offerings. God wanted his heart. God made him king. God promoted him because of his heart. Not because of what he could give him. God already, got God already has everything, right? But he went after him because of his heart. That's all God wanted. You know, I think we as dads sometimes, I'm not a dad. I wish I was, but I'm not. Still working on it. Um, we as dads sometimes, we come in here and we worship. And we praise God with all of our heart. And sometimes we might tell our kids what we read in the Word or what we're doing or what we're studying. But then we slip to that second chair, that chair of compromise. And I wonder what David's little kids running around the house saw what David was doing when he was compromising. They also saw him worship. They saw David worship with all of his heart. But kids are a lot smarter than, they, than we give them credit for. 
kids are pretty darn smart. And when they see dad worshiping God here at church and doing this and praying at the dinner table, but yet, dad, you said you would do this, but you're doing this. You know what kids call that? Fake. Pastor did a sermon. It kind of hurts. I mean, that kind of hurts when a kid calls you fake. But they kids call black, black, and white, white until they learn how to, you know, we get older. And you don't even know what life's like. When you guys get older, then you can tell me how to live. You're just justifying your chair of compromise. Uh, well, they're looking for is a dad that will be real. Dad, if you're going to chase God, chase God. And I want to chase him with you. And I kind of wonder what David's house was like. Um, I kind of miss a little bit. I kind of wonder if I had kids, what they would see in my house. This whole week, God's been speaking to me about, you know, my coworkers and different things. And they knew I was going to speak this week. And so all week they've been, what are you speaking on? So I would tell them, and I would pretty much tell them the whole sermon in five minutes. You guys don't get the five-minute uh, version. But uh, if you did, you'd probably be really happy. But that's the same thing. Those guys at work are my kids. And I can either screw up and live in the chair of compromise, or I can take the hard road and live after my father and be a God chaser. Colossians 3, again, it says to set your mind and keep it. Set your mind and keep it. You know, one thing about my dad, honestly, I can never remember one time my dad made a promise that he didn't keep. And I don't know how many dads can say that. How many kids can say that about their dads? But every time my dad said, we're going fishing, even if it was horrible at the ocean, we still drove over there. We looked at a lookout point, And he said, son, and there was a couple times he said, what do you think? Do you think we should go out? Thinking, no, I wanted to. We had a 15-foot boat. And I'm thinking, no, maybe not. So we'd have breakfast, and then we'd drive home. But my dad never made a promise to me that he never kept. Your father will never make a promise to you that he won't keep. Every promise that's in the Bible, he's going to keep it. Amen? Be that to your kids. Be that first chair dad that when you say you're a God chaser, you're a God chaser, that your kids can run with you. I mean, not jog, but run with you. When you say you're going to go to their baseball game, go to their baseball game. When you say you're going to be at church, be at church. When you say you're going to do something, do it. Number one, number one on my list to be a God chaser, be a first chair dad. Have a heart after God. Amen. Uh, second guy I want to talk about is Daniel. As I've been studying this guy, this guy's crazy awesome. You know, I thought I had it rough sometimes at work dealing with inmates and dealing with other people. Um, but this guy, he was one of three presidents or administrators, and there was 120 satraps that were underneath him. And the 120 satraps would rule the kingdom. And in that, there was the three guys Daniel and the two other administrators that would rule over top of them. Well, Daniel was so distinguished, the word says, Daniel made himself so distinguished from the others that the king was going to make him above everybody. Well, what happens when you become 
It's not that you're trying to make yourself better, but when you have a work ethic that your boss says, man, that guy works hard. Or when, when you get to work early and you've already made your 10 phone calls before anybody else got there. When you get to work early and you've cleaned up the mess that other people have made. And they say, man, that guy's a good worker. And the boss, you don't even know the boss is watching you, but the boss is watching you. And before too long, they're going to say, man, I'm, I'm putting this guy on top. I'm making him the manager. Well, what happens with your coworkers? They get upset. They get bitter. Why do they get upset and bitter? Because they're lazy and jealous. Lazy and jealous. So the same thing happened with Daniel. These 120 guys are whining and complaining. And they're going to they're gonna do everything they can. I don't know where my verse starts. I put up my first 6-6. Six, six. Um, six, so what these guys do is they're trying to find something to keep Daniel out of office. We got we to do something to go to the king to make him so that he's not get, he doesn't get promoted. And so they look and look and look. And then this is what they come up with. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Don't you wish somebody could say that about you? They could never find anything wrong with him unless it had to do with the law of his God. Seven or six. So the administrators and the satraps went to the group, went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. Kind of like the movie. Live forever. It's good to be the king. The royal administrators and all these other crazy people, about 130 of them, all agreed that the king should be issued, what do you call that, an, an edict, and enforce a decree that if anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown to the lion's den. They're playing to the king's ego. Now, O king, issue the decree to put this in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes, the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So the king Darius put the decree in writing. He's probably thinking, this is pretty cool. Well, he was played into so much of his ego because you got 130 guys there. And he's thinking, yeah, it's good to be the king. You know, where's my fatted calves? Where's this? Let's have a party. Nobody worships anybody except for me for 30 days. I mean, how would you like to have a week like or a month like that? It's all about me this month. So the king's all excited about that. But during this, the king actually loved Daniel. I mean, he loved him so much, he's going to put him over the whole kingdom. But he didn't notice because his ego was in the way. He didn't notice that Daniel wasn't there. It says now, when, and this is my favorite right here. Now when Daniel learned that this decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. You know, this is a guy, put it in our terms, this is the guy that's about ready to lose his job. Right? Because he's going to be eaten by lions. <laughs> he's not only going to lose a job, but he's probably going to die. He probably doesn't have good insurance anymore. Um, I'm trying to put it into our terms. But this is a guy that didn't go to his room, close the windows, and say, God, what am I going to do? God, I mean, I'm scared. I'm sure he prayed a little bit of that, but it wasn't, he didn't do no whining. He didn't do no whining about the 130 guys that went as a group against him. 
But it says he gave thanks. Giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. The one thing I like about Daniel is that he stayed consistent. Number one, you got to have a heart after God. Number two, first year dad, you got to be consistent with your kids. My dad was incredibly consistent with me. I'd say once every two weeks I got a whipping, whether I needed it or not. Um, I think, uh, I don't think there was one that I got that I never deserved. I, I can't say that. There are a few that I kind of think I snuck out of, maybe because he was tired and needed a break. But one thing about my dad, and they teach you in the Oregon Department of Corrections, is to be firm, fair, and consistent. My dad was firm, he was fair, and he was consistent. I knew that when I got a whipping, I deserved it. And he'd come in later and say, do you know why I gave that to you? Yeah, smarted off to my mom again. Or I did something I wasn't, I mean, it was always something. I mean, it was my fault. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but he always told me that he loved me. There was always more love there. And I knew that when I got my whip in, <laughs> I knew that he loved me. Obviously, if I didn't, I wouldn't keep getting them on purpose. You know, it's kind of like that weird, crazy love, you know, like that, that a young man strives after. God, uh, Dad, you got to whip me again. I remember hearing one story about my brother. I don't know how many times he got whipped in one day. It was like three or four times. But my dad went to my mom and he was crying and says, I don't want to whip him again. And you know what, Dad? Dad, it's, it's not easy being a dad. It's not easy... Always being consistent. But you know what? That is what keeps us out. You saw the video. That's what keeps us out of prison. I still went for 16 years, but I was on the other side of the gates. I still went. But you know what? I I, I learned to respect others. I knew what was right from wrong. I knew to honor and love my mother because my dad was strong and consistent. My dad was a God chaser, so I'm a God chaser. And that's the heritage that you can leave your kids. Just like my mom and dad being married 50 plus years. That's what I get to do because my mom and dad have set the course. You as dad and mom set the course for living in that peaceful habitation. You don't have to fight and argue. You can shut your mouths and be peaceful. That's what you get to do. And then your kids live in a peaceful habitation because that's what they grew up in. That's now their heritage. So I love Daniel because this guy was consistent. And the last three guys I want to talk about is the three Hebrew children. These three guys, the same thing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All the satraps, all the governors, everybody else is mad at them. Why? Because they love God. I'm going to tell you something. If you love God, you're going to have crap thrown at you. You're going to have people talk trash about you. You're going to have this happen and you're going to have that happen. But you're going to become an oak tree. A tree that people can say, when the storm comes, they're going to run to you for cover. 
when their life gets crappy, they're going to say, Jake, how do you do it? How do you do it, Jake? And you're going to get to speak to their life. You know, the guys at work that don't like me, I don't know why. Dude, I'm the most lovable guy there. <laughs> but you know what happens when I was working at my other job? They didn't like me, but now they come and buy cars from me. And they say, you know, we didn't always get along at the prison, but I know I can trust you. You know, I've been there 10 months and I've sold like 45 cars to guys at the prison. It's because they know they can trust me. I've had guys from the prison come to me at my job, sitting in the seats, crying and talking to me about their families. You know, the, the seeds that you sow, the words that you speak into people's lives will always be there. You know, I never thought I was making a huge impact on people's lives, but we make a bigger impact on people's lives than we even know. You know, now I got a guy who is at the prison. He's on the SWAT team. He's quitting on the first, and he's coming to work with me selling Fords at Ford. And he came to church last Sunday for the first time, and it was all because of the seeds I sown into him years ago. All because he just called me out of the blue and we talked for hours on the phone. And I just said, the first thing you need to do is seek God. Because if you make that move on your own, you're stupid. But if you get a word from God and he says to do it, you're right on. Amen. So the last three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let's do, that's Daniel 3, 8. It says, at this time, the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. Sound familiar? I mean, think of your boss. Steve's the boss. Oh, here's great Steve. And then here comes all the BS behind it. That's belief, belief systems. So, you know, if someone's building you up, understand somebody's probably trying to get a free blizzard out of you or something. Uh, you have, is, you have issued a, you've issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of all these instruments um, of all kinds must fall down and worship, worship the image of gold. And that whatever he, and that whatever, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. But there are some, but there are some Jews. I could just hear that working in the prison. But there are some Jews. Uh, whom you've never, that, that, oh man, over the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. Long live you, king. Never, they never neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of all these instruments, <clears throat> he'd actually say them all. That's weird. Um, you will be ready to fall down and worship these images I have made. Very good. This should be a question. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then the God then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king. Oh, uh, they replied, 
to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God, the God we serve is able to, is able to save us from it. And he will rescue you. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. Man, I'm having an awesome time reading this. I wondered if I was going to actually read all this stuff. Go back to that one real quick, 17. What I like about this, if you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue you. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. They were respectful enough to call him king. But they were also saying, we serve a God that will rescue us if you're going to throw us in here. 18. But even if he doesn't, even if he does not, we want you to know. Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve gods. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And the last one. The Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. And he ordered them, he ordered the furnace to be turned up seven times hotter than usual. You know, back to, back to 18, that's what I wanted. Is even if my God doesn't save me, even if I'm not going to bow. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what they could have done is like us sometimes. We could have justified in our own mind that, you know what? Man, that furnace is pretty hot. So what I'm thinking, come on guys, huddle up. What I'm thinking is that we bow. Wait, because the other two are going to get mad. Wait, we bow, but we don't worship the idols or the big God in gold. We don't do that. We worship our God. And then we'll be alive. How's that sound? That's how we would have done it. Because who wants to get thrown into a fiery furnace? Not me. They could have justified that and went ahead and bowed and then asked for repentance and said, God, we're, we're, not, we're not serving that. We're serving you. You're our God. We're faithful to you. But the thing I like about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is that they didn't even want the perception that they were serving another God. And that's what God's been talking to me about this week. And I got to talk to my owner at work about this. It's the perception. Because a few weeks ago, I was accused of something at work. And I told him, I said, go ahead and do this. Do that. Because I don't even want the perception of that happening. And then God started showing me this. And we as God's children, number one, should have a heart after him. Number two, need to be consistent. And number three, make sure that those that are following us, those that are watching us, because we're God chasers, because we're first chair dads, we're first chair men, that there is not even a perception that we're serving any other God. I don't go in the bars. I don't, uh, I don't flirt with other women. I don't, nobody touches me except for my wife. One of the things that bug me is that I see guys and they're getting shoulder rubs from another woman. 
What is wrong with you? I'm my wife and my wife is mine. So that's the way life goes. And it's the perception. I don't even want the perception there that I don't love my God with all of my heart. You know, in all of these things, David ruled the kingdom. Goofed up, but ruled the kingdom. Amen? Had a son that was the wisest king of all, Solomon. Daniel, after he was persecuted, after he was thrown in the lion's den, the king was so distraught that he had to throw, he had to follow through with the, the, the law that he didn't eat that night at all. He didn't have no entertainment that night. But he basically fasted, thinking, man, why is Daniel, why is my, why is my best guy down there in the lion's den? How did, I, how did I screw this up? The next morning, the king runs down to the lion's den and says, Daniel, Daniel, did your king save you? Did your God save you? And Daniel said, yes. The God, my God, shut the mouths of the lions. Daniel is raised out of the lion's den. I don't know if you guys watched that movie. What's on TV isn't always the truth. But it says in the Bible that the other two administrators, the other two presidents, the 120 satraps were all thrown into the lion's den and they were eaten. Not only them, but their wives and their children. So David just got a promotion. He's the only king. I mean, he's over everybody. Promotion. You go through the crap, you get the promotion. Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm reading that story. These guys walk in the fiery furnace and it kills the three big guys that are trying to throw them in there. And then the king going, what the heck? Is I, didn't we throw three people in there? How come there's four? Well, he, says, he yells at the thing, come on out. What do you Get out of here. So they come out and everyone's just hanging around them looking at them. Like, you know, like, how did you guys do this? Didn't smell like fire, didn't smell like anything else. And God saved them. And then King Nebuchadnezzar said, obviously, they worship the true God. So from now on, at this point, we will pray to their God, the King of the Jews. And we'll pray to their God. And if you don't, we're going to cut you up in pieces. And then they were promoted. But when it all comes down to it, my, what I'm trying to say tonight... Being a first chair dad, being a God chaser, it's so important to our kids. It's so important to the people we work with. It's so important to the people that we've locked up with. That you've got to have a heart after God because if you don't know what God wants, you're going to be searching for His will when His way is right there in front of us. And His way is the Word. Be consistent in what you do. Don't be this one day and be this the next day. People need consistency in their life. Amen? And number three, don't give the perception that I'm open to other things in my life. Because I'm not. I had this one guy, I'll finish up with this. I had this one guy at work tell me, this guy makes me sick. Um, this, guy, and I'm just, this guy cheats on his wife all the time. And uh, and he said he said he tried to get me to say that I would cheat on my wife, and he he's like winking at me like 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 tell these guys that you would date this girl, and I go no, no, and I, I mean it just it just 
made me mad inside. And that's the perception. Life is not a joke. My life is real. Amen. Live life real. We can bow our heads. Thank you, Father. If you're here tonight and you want to make 